Hey, Power Pack fans, couple of things. First, last episode that went out, I was mispronouncing Steve Lydell's name the entire time. I wrote it down wrong in the script, and I was mispronouncing it the entire time. That is my apology. Also, last episode and this episode were recorded prior to Steve Lydell's untimely death. So that's the reason we do not talk about it. But next episode, we will be talking about it with Shag. Sorry about my errors. Thank you for understanding. Now the realms are yours to conquer. For those who dare, now there's an official rule book that brings the Forgotten Realms into the advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition game system. This hardcover rule book is loaded with maps of cities and landmarks from Sword Coast to Dragon Reach. New secrets on the use and misuse of magic, rules on gunpowder, and valuable information on every specialty priest in the Heartland. It's everything a Dungeon Master needs to know about the Forgotten Realms. The Forgotten Realms Adventure Hardcover offers new adventure options for experienced and novice-leveled AD&D game players, and a welcome initiation for newcomers. It's a basic necessity for those who dare to enter into the realms. Available in April at your local toy, books, or hobby store. TSR! Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Hungry? Grab a random banter. You're not you when you're hungry. Random banter time, buddy! How you been? Talk to me. It's a brand new year, and I'm thinking a brand new you. That would be a Snickers commercial, correct? Yes, that would be a Snickers commercial. Huh. Are you hangry? Are you hangry? I like it. I like it. Do you know why? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I do. I think it's because nobody in this book seems like themselves. There's a little bit of that. <laughs> There's quite a little bit of that. There is also, a... Uh... Also, we, we do have the biggest hangry person in the world who is hangry, and he's looking for a bite to eat. Always. And, and, and yeah, he sends somebody out to find him a Snickers bar the size of a planet. Yes, a planet-sized Snicker bar would, in fact, satisfy this being's cravings. This being being? Uh, Galactus. Galactus. Yes. I, 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 I'm sorry, I just kind of moved on to the, the final product of this, which would be which would be trying to figure out a good way to make an, a Snickers ad like that. Man, dude, you are liked in way too much like Galactus. You have this <laughs> Snicker. I mean. They could easily do a Marvel crossover. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think Marvel, <laughs> TM, 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 TM. <laughs> I am doing well. I'm doing very well. It is a new year. We have made it across the threshold. We have made it across the Rubicon. Mm -hmm. We are into 2021. Yes, for, yes, yes. Yep. For better or worse. Hopefully better. We are going for better. We're yep. going for better. Knock on wood. It can't get any worse. That's true. <laughs> we will, well, you never know. There's a, individual experiences may vary. This is true. This is true. Quick header's note. We recorded this on Sunday, January the 3rd, and wow, it just took about three days for our entire intro there to become irrelevant. Well, what are you going to do? Back to the show. 
Now, we we have made it through uh, the holidays. They, they seem to have treated us all very well. We all got uh, presents from good old St. Nick. I know that uh, I'm wearing my, my new present to myself, which is a Jack Gravity white t-shirt, which is which very is nice. Which is pretty nice. Yep, very nice. Yep, I, yep. That was a present to myself. I have other presents, like I've got this nice Marvel bedspread behind me for this guest room, which I've turned into my geek room. It's a nice Marvel bedspread that my wife got me. I think it's very nice of her. Very cool um, and thematically appropriate, and it really ties the room together. It does. It ties the room together quite mm-hmm. nicely. Very yes, nicely. Yes, it does. Uh, we had a very nice New Year's. Uh, we had a giant Zoom party, which you were not part of, but you should no. have been because we had about we had about 30 people there. It was a little insane, but there was there was a lot of them there. And it was it was quite enjoyable though. We had yep. a lot of local people, a few people from Washington, and then we had some people that were our friends who were calling in from Canada, which is always a good time. Yeah, I, I didn't go because I, I, I'm a little shy in crowds. Liar! Liar! <laughs> Pants on fire! No, it's a, I actually had a different uh, New Year's Eve party to go to that was uh, going at the same time. So yeah, but ours was better. You never know. I wouldn't because I didn't go to one of them. So, yeah, but did yours have somebody change into a red dress in the middle of the party? No, it did not. So it, ours was better. Potentially, it ours did have pizza. Ours did have fireworks. Ours did have somebody bringing a portable uh, illumination winter light festival DJ booth. That would be Richard. Yeah, that was Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yep, which was pretty cool. Made a nice central focus point. We uh, we did do an in-person New Year's Eve with a couple of families that we know that we do stuff with. And they normally do celebrate the East Coast, so 9 o'clock thing. But we just kind of – it was sort of a – whenever we decided to do a countdown is when we did a countdown. But it was around 9 o'clock. Outside at a park, spread out over a basketball court. So <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Yep. Everybody in masks, except for when they're eating their pizza, but everybody's spread out to the four winds. So <laughs> just kind of looking at the sky going, glad it's not raining. Glad it's not raining. As soon as yeah. everybody packed up to leave, that's when the rain came. But it was pretty nice. Good timing. Good timing. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we should move on to the book. But before we do, I should go ahead and, and uh, just spoil the surprise for you there. Uh, it was me that changed into the red dress. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Shocker, I would right? not have expected that at all. <laughs> I want to hear about this red dress. I want to see pictures of this red dress. You've seen it before. I block a lot of <laughs> memories involving you. That is probably a very wise thing. <laughs> it's how I get through my days. My wife had gone upstairs before that all occurred, and around midnight she came back down. I thought she had gone to sleep, but she had come back down at midnight, and she comes down and says, Hi, honey, I just wanted to say, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like, really, this is not the most shocking thing you've ever walked in on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> and I'm not going to explain myself to my listeners. <laughs> Let's move on to this episode, but we can only do that once you stop laughing at me, and you give me a two-cents replay of The last episode. Mysterio refuses to pay royalties to Scooby-Doo and the Ghostbusters after stealing and combining their shticks in an attempt to convince an apartment complex that their building is haunted so that the residents will cheaply sell to the insincere, greasy individual that keeps showing up at their doors. Unfortunately for Mysterio, the apartment building that he picked has a family that lives there named The Powers. And not only do they not want to sell, but their kids bust up these Scooby-Doo shenanigans and reveal that Mysterio was really old man Quentin Beck all along. Now that the, and he would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those darn meddling kids, 
two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. As always, in the old year, as well as the new year, I have provided you with a plethora of paper-bagged, wrapped beers. I know. It's like an advent calendar of joy every two weeks. <laughs> I would like you to go ahead and remove this week's and tell me what you got. I draw forth my beverage. And we have an Imperial Series Hub, Hopworks Urban Brewery, Galactic Imperial Red Ale. Very <laughs> nice. And that is a, a Galaga kind of video game cover. And it's got the little spaceship critters going down and it's got a beer bottle for your uh, player character spaceship. And it looks like you only got one life left. So enjoy that beer. I felt that this was appropriate because we do have Galactus mm -hmm. and we do have aliens that are getting shot at with lasers. Yep. <laughs> this is pretty great. <laughs> uh, and this, of course, would be from Hopworks Brewing Company. Hopworks is a local in Oregon and it's a place that makes some pretty tasty beers. One small sip for man and one giant bottle for mankind. Galactic Imperial Red Ale is now available at both Hopworks Brew Pubs and in your favorite bottle shop, if you're close by. Filled with a galaxy of organic goodness, robust caramel malt flavors battle Northwest Centennial and Cascade hops for interstellar supremacy. 9.5% ABV and over 100 IBU. So get ready, hop taste buds. Here we come. Well, that's got a nice color to it. That's uh, looking a lot like a brown. Yeah. It's got the uh, caramelized red. Very yeah. deep. Very deep. You're right on that, on that brown. Saying caramelized makes it look... It's like, yeah, that looks like... Uh, a liquid caramel. It's a, a nice looking color on that. It bubbles, but it has like no head on this thing. It's just like pour it how you want. And it just goes and just settles down immediately. It's got a very sharp, malty, yet hoppy smell to it. It's yep. it's It's got the hoppy malty in there. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they got 100 IBUs, if they cranked up the malts a lot on this. So we'll see if that robust malt caramel flavor comes through or not. There's caramel. Oh, yeah. That is caramel. That is caramel. That is caramel with a little bit of tang going on that. That's got a little bit of that hoppy. That sharp hop is cutting through, but they've got a lot of malt in there. They've got a lot of malt to help calm down the caramel. But yeah, that first sip was very much like, I've got caramel in my mouth. Yeah. That's pretty neat. And then it went from uh, caramel in the mouth to kind of getting into that malt to kind of <laughs> rotating. What are you laughing about? I'm, I'm laughing because I'm just reading, rereading this, sen this sentence over. It says, robust caramel malt flavors battle... Northwest Centennial and Cascade Hops. I can't explain it any better than that. The malt flavor is trying to have a battle with hops in my mouth, and I'm not sure who's going to win. But yep. that is what is going on right now. Yeah, there's a a very deep hop after flavor on this. Yeah. So yeah. the ale comes through very, very strongly Yeah. at the end. It does start very... It's interesting on the flavor notes because it starts very sweet with caramels, and then it blends... Over into that uh, imperial ale kind of flavor with yeah, the hops. The, 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 the ale and the hops are always going to be the, the lingering flavors, mm -hmm. but introduction into your mouth is going to be that that sweet caramel flavor. So interesting beer, very yeah. very appropriately worded on the description. I like it. Once again, this is Galactic Imperial Red Ale by Hopworks Urban Brewery or Hub, as us locals like to call it. Yeah, and we is locals. <laughs> and now, how about the opening credits, if you please, sir? 
Power Pack, issue number 56, May 1990, Childhood's End. Credits, writer, Michael Higgins. Penciler, Tom Morgan. Inker, Andy Mushinsky. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Brad Venkata. Editor, Daryl Edelman. Chief, Tom DeFalco. With a plot assist from Seth Crutchcow. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, aka Mass Master. He controls the molecular density. Julie Power, aka Lightspeed. She flies very fast with a rainbow trail. Jack Power, aka Destroyer. He disintegrates matter, turns it into energy, and shoots power balls. Katie Power, counterweight, increases or decreases gravity of objects she touches. Franklin Richards, astral projection and precog powers. Friday, a chameleon smart ship, guest starring Galactus, the eater of planets, Reed and Sue Richards, the razor of Franklin, and they keep Galactus from eating planet Earth. That is a new creative team. I wonder if we're going to see any substantive or extreme changes to our favorite book. Galactus reaches out from the cosmos and crushes Franklin's head. So, yes, that would be a yes. Well, Franklin is dreaming, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It focuses in and actually becomes a logical narrative instead of a surreal dive into the galactic danger mixed with parental abandonment issues. So let's tune into Frank TV and see what the big G is up to. Galactus, shocker, is hungry. And when he is hungry... Planets die. He tasks his current Herald Nova to hunt him down a tasty meal. Wait, wait. I am confused. Do you mean Nova, the guy from the New Warriors who has a big helmet, or any of the legacy characters like him? No, but that's a very good question. This would be Frankie Ray, a former human from Earth who used to be an interpreter for the United Nations before she became one of the Human Torch's girlfriends. This was impressive because she used to be afraid of fire. Um, her character design shows that she is covered in fire. Yeah, she got over her fear. I would hope so. And when she did so, she realized she had fire powers similar to the Human Torch, but then volunteered to become the Herald of Galactus and got her powers cranked up to the cosmic equivalent of 11. Okay, well, that's good to know. And I'm glad that we will not have to delve into any more old Fantastic Four content for the rest of the issue to know what's going on. Um, why are you giving me that look? Um, let's just move on to the story for now. Nova heads on out with a smile and a chippy attitude to find a fresh planet full of life and energy for her boss to dig into, like me, at a Mongolian grill. A funny thing about former interpreter Nova is that she actually talks like a mid-80s valley girl, using, like, a lot of bubbly-like phrases. She, like, likes the word like, like a lot. Well, her happy attitude begins to sour as she finds a trail of planets, all devastated and destroyed, sucked dry of any energy or nourishment, and this dead planet crumb trail seems to be following the Oregon Trail to Earth. Which causes Franklin to wake up with a scream, which in turn brings his parents running into the room. I guess that it's his parents. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Reed. But the blonde with the huge 80s hair and a really young face could be like Sue Storm's younger sister. And that makes like this really like awkward. Let's just like assume that it's like Sue. I am like pretty confident that these are like Franklin's parents because their message like can be summed up with, are you okay? Oh, it was a bad dream. We know you have some insane godlike powers, but we are like 99.9% sure that it was not an important and really like happening dream like we know you have had in the past. So like, 
Go back to sleep, little dude. And we'll see you in the morning? Yep. Like, nothing to see here. Nothing to worry about. Oh my god. Like, nothing to pay attention to. In fact, don't even give the prognosticating child this chance to explain, like, what is going on? What is a young boy with, like, superpowers to do? Like, yell out to the magic alien spaceship that is, like, your friend and that, like, you need them? Yeah, we don't really like Nova's voice. Like, not at all. Not really. Meanwhile in space! Home of the spacey, spacey, space stuff. Nova is checking out the trail of dead planets because, as Franklin wanted to explain, it was a special dream, showcasing this exact occurrence that is going on. She has come across one planet that is not totally devastated, just mostly devastated. It's only mostly dead, one would say. She even finds the remains of an amusement park. Inside, she finds an injured creature. An Elan. A what-a-what? Elan. Weird alien race showed up in Fantastic Four 24. An infant child from the race showed up on Earth and was causing a bunch of destruction until its parents showed up. The race is green-skinned with three digits on each hand, featureless face with black eyes, two stock eyes that look like pipes out of their heads. You know, generic alien stuff. Why are we diving so deep into the Fantastic Four back catalog? Good question! And the answer is... I don't know! Terrific. Nova checks on the injured alien, trying to offer help when a shadow falls on her, which means... Smash cut to Central Park. Friday has kidnapped Franklin and... Uh, Friday didn't kidnap Franklin. What? Friday didn't kidnap Franklin. Franklin called Friday for a ride and that's what he got. So, uh, a, a kidnapping hasn't occurred? Nope. <laughs> Weird. Kidnapping is a staple of this comic. I know, right? Well, weird or not, the non-kidnapping Friday and non-kidnapped Franklin land in Central Park. Franklin then dreams himself over to the Power Pack apartment. Who? Power Pack. You know, the four kids have powers, matching pajamas. Oh, yeah, yeah, check that out. I forgot that this was their book. I mean, we're like on page nine and they finally show up. Jack is about to give up on sleeping anyway. Alex is snoring louder than I do, and he has had about enough of it. And that is the moment that Franklin decides to pop in, scaring the freckles off of our favorite eight-year-old. Franklin is encouraging Jack to go get his sisters, while Alec wakes up and discovers that he has hair all over his pillow. Thank goodness that it is his hair, though. I mean, it is still bad that he is losing his hair as a preteen, but it would have been much more awkward if it was someone else's hair. Gross, but true. Alec spends some intense moments in front of his mirror, confirming that it is his hair that is falling out and that he is going bald. He hears the others coming, so he spikes his hair out and tries to cover his bald spot. Hair catastrophe averted, they are ready to talk about the big problem that Franklin has brought to them. Now that you mention an hair, it really looks like everyone has some serious hair problems. And we are back on the Power Pack Pompadour Parlay, where we discuss the varying hairstyles in the Power Pack book series. Fine, fine. The freshly feathered family costumes on and bickers about their new uniform colors and their code names, but not their hair. Mostly to let the readers know about the change that has happened five issues ago, but also to show them bickering. The kids successfully sneak out of the house and fly over to Central Park. Franklin explains what he dreamt about, and Friday takes them off into hyperspace. Meanwhile on a desolate planet! Home of the obscure aliens from Marvel's past. You are not kidding. We now have a panel with Nova, the Elan, and Starstalker. Starstalker is a giant lizard Godzilla-looking thing, a green skin, claws, long tail, beaked head. He is apparently the child of a similar creature who was red, 
and was in a couple of issues in the Avengers in the early 70s. So, we have two minor alien creatures who were created and used once and never used again. Yeah, both are supposedly pretty powerful, but the Elan is injured and unconscious. Starstalker is just a creature that consumes worlds. He is really annoyed that this herald from another world eater has disturbed him, so he does what any self-respecting world eater would do. Attack. Nova begins to draw the monster away from the injured Elan, but quickly discovers that her cosmically powered attacks are not injuring the Starstalker at all. In fact, they seem to be feeding it. Meanwhile in space... Home of everything. The kids pop out of the hyperspace and arrive on the destroyed planet. They do not see the cosmic fight occurring, but they do hear a muffled, quiet, injured moan beneath a pile of rubble. Well, they did have the headsets and their suits turned to the plot convenience channel. You know, I stopped listening to that station when they got the new DJ. He kept telling me about all the great things that were not going to happen to me because I was listening to the channel. Unlike you, the kids utilize their powers to find and free the injured alien. Well. Everyone except Alex, that is. He is once again struggling with his emotional power set. He can't fly fast. He can't clear out blocking debris. And he can't get past the feeling that he is a useless member of the team. Unlike a fast-flying Julie who locates the creature, a strong Katie who lifts up rubble out of the way, and a disintegrating Jack who... disintegrates... stuff... Alex sits and mopes about what a dead weight he is, which is funny because he can become a cloud, which is near weightless. And then he adds insult to injury when he realizes that his hair is still falling out. That's okay, Alex. The Marvel Universe is sick with bald-headed men. You are in good company. There's Puppet Master, Obadah Stane, Kingpin, The Vanisher, Professor X. Oh, yeah. That is some really great company. Alex mopes over to the rest of the family who are just staring at this injured creature. Alex walks close to the Elan and looks at it too and thinks, Gee, look at this kid. I wish there was a way I could help him. Wait, what just happened? Um, uh, Alex showed some compassion to an alien creature? No, no, uh, what did he think? Oh, 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 Alex thought, Gee! Yeah, a G! A G! A G! Alex thought a G! Alex thought a G! What do we do? I I don't know. It's been so long. Okay, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Yeah? Let, let's just ignore it and move on. Good idea. Alex goes to touch the injured alien child, and they both become engulfed in a yellow light. And poof, Theolon is healed. Well, he's healed up to about two hit points, so he's not dying anymore, and he stands up. Theolon does not say anything, but the kids can tell that he is happy. They help him back to Friday, and then finally... Finally notice the loud noises and bright lights happening nearby. Nova is still locked in battle with the Starstalker. Franklin recognizes Nova and tells the team that they have to help her. Julie, Katie, and Jack head over closer to the battle with Alex and Franklin hanging back. This is interesting. Alex complains that he feels useless to Franklin, who doesn't disagree with him. In fact, Franklin says he feels the same way. He doesn't think that falling asleep and projecting his dream self would help anyone right now. I just don't get this. We have seen Franklin's dream self be super useful as an intelligence tool and as a distraction. We also know that the cloud power is great at distracting, and the bubble field could be used as an offensive weapon, or as a really good defensive mechanism. I mean, what are they thinking? Franklin is underestimating himself, and Alex is feeling sorry for himself. <laughs> Again. Ah, uh, well, Franklin does prompt Alex to use his knowledge. Kind of a WWARLD moment. 
WWARLD? World? Yeah, what would a real leader do? Harsh. But let's go and see what is happening at the main ring. The living matchstick and the spiky green monster are still trading energy blasts, with the monster getting bigger and bigger all the time. Finally reaching his apex, Mean Green pulls the last of Nova's energy out of her. This causes her flame to go out. That is so not good. The red-headed lady is unconscious, floating in space. And remember, in space, there is no oxygen. And currently, non-cosmically powered humans need oxygen to live, no matter what the PSAs tell you. Julie quickly flies up, catches the cosmic hero, and brings her into the safety of Friday. This leaves the kids to deal with the cosmic juggernaut. Oh, goody. At least they do not go in guns blazing. In fact, the Star Stalker is so pleased with his performance, and he thinks so little of his competition, that he decides to lie down and take a little nap. These pitiful insects are beneath my notice. They represent no threat. If they attempt any further interference, I will deal with them after I have properly consumed the abundant energy I have absorbed. You gotta be kidding me. He's just going to sleep. But Alex has been thinking, which probably caused more hairs to fall out, but I digress. He has been noticing that the thing is just sucking on energy, getting big, and getting tired. He posits that they could defeat it by feeding it more. This feels... wrong. And Jack agrees with you. But he is always down for a little bit of destruction in the name of... Destruction! I mean science. Science. I meant to say in the name of science. So he starts to blast the unconscious monster, which slowly starts to cocoon into a giant yellow energy bands. And soon, he has a yummy monster burrito all ready to go. And then the big burrito disappears, like BAM! It is gone. And the crowd goes WILD! That is right. The kids are all kinds of excited. They did it. They beat the monster. Nothing is going to stop them now. Nothing. Oh, um, yeah. Friday pops in at that moment of victorious victory to let the kids know that the energy signature from the Star Stalker is headed straight for... Wait for it. Is it Earth? It is! It's Earth! Insert the dramatic cliffhanger music. Next issue. Back on Earth. Da-da-da-da-da-da, that is the cliffhanger music. No, it's the themes of the issue, because we're done with this issue, so we have to talk about this issue, and we do that by looking at the cover of the issue. That's right, it's Power Pack Packaging Time! And this time, we've got another cover drawn by Steve Lydell. I think he did the last one, if I remember correctly. Yes, Steve Lydell drew the last issue, which we were kind of like, meh, on... This one's got a lot more excited than the last cover, which, of course, for everybody, including Jeff, to remember, that was the ghoulish monsters all hanging around, kind of all in green, and you had a big red, you know, no Ghostbuster sign, and the kids were hanging around inside it. And we're like, uh, it's so close to having something going on. I mean, this one's got a lot yeah, going yeah. on. This is actually, this has it happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got... A snark there in the background getting blasted by some fiery lady. You've got Sue Richards on the side of the cover. And you've got, like, Alex gassing out his sister. And you've got Franklin falling off to the side into into uh, Jack. Yep. Wait, I was wrong on some of those things. Because that's not a snark, <laughs> even though it looks like a snark. That's yep. supposed to be the Star Stalker. That's not Sue Richards. That's actually uh, Julie. But Julie's in a blue costume, which she's never worn. But mm -hmm. it makes her like, like she's... Two Richards from Fantastic Four. Well, it's because she has blonde hair in this one. Not just yeah. like a strawberry blonde, but right. a blonde blonde. 
yeah, I mean, really, the the person that's on the front of the cover is is Nova, who Nova is drawn to be think Silver Surfer, except gold, but the same kind of thing. So, I mean, you've got a a human female form that, for all technical purposes, is naked. There's no defining feature on it, but I mean, it's just it's like she's it's like she's covered in a skin tight gold foil. Yep. Wreath in Flame. I've always liked her design. I've always liked her design. I've always thought that she looked really cool. Yeah, she looks really cool. She's very... She, she's drawn very feminine. Yeah, um, <laughs> somebody likes drawing her. Yes. I, I, it's a, it's an interesting cover. Once again, there's a lot going on, but I don't know if I like it. I like it better than the previous cover. I think it's uh, it's okay. It kind of shows what... You know, it basically shows exactly what's going on. Uh, Nova and Starstalker are fighting... Nova gets defeated by Starstalker. Power Pack shows up and is there. Yeah, and also I, I, they are in space because yeah. there are stars and a rocky surface of a some sort of alien world terrain. It is what it is. The thing that I don't like very much is the stars of the issue are not drawn well. None of the that. kids look right. Katie is about the closest one. Franklin's pretty close too, but Franklin's Jack's, pretty close. I think Jack's that they a, look Jack's okay. a little off. There's, there's just if you're going to screw up something, screw up the guest stars. Don't screw up the main characters on the cover. Yeah, but it looks like they did put their focus into Nova. Starstalker looks like generic snark. It's a Gorn snark. It's an alien reptile creature. Is all it boils down to. I, I think, I think they did fine on the kids. I can tell who's who. Yeah, I got. It's a comic. You got to have some leeway. You got to go. Colorists mess up, and they messed up on Julie in a couple of different ways. But uh, <laughs> I think it's an okay looking cover. Is it? Is it amazing? Does it take my breath away? No, but I think it's kind of interesting. It is a. It is a good. Sure. It is a good working cover for a comic book. The only thing that gets me on it is it does tell you what's going on though. Yeah, the only thing that problem that I have of it is that it's got a little word blur, you know, action kind of word bubble on there going in search of Galactus. No, they're not. No, they're not. No. No, that Galactus starts off the issue, and let's get into the inside here. the The thing is, is Galactus is coming to Earth. Oh no! No, that's not even the thing. There's nothing about that. That was the misinterpretation that Reed did. Right, but I mean, but I mean, that's the first page. That's what it looks yeah. like. Galactus coming towards Franklin. That's Galactus coming to Earth. Is what that screams out. That's the first page. That's the direction you're going. And like, you know, the get. Friday to come, he gets power packed to go. It's like, you know, there's something big going on up there. At no time are they looking for Galactus and it Or is Galactus mentioned? Yeah. He's part of the story in the sense that he sends Nova out to find a planet for him to eat, and she's discovering planets that have already been eaten. And Galactus took a note off of the uh, Spider-Man cameo and clocked in at two panels. Well, to be fair, it costs a lot of money to get Galactus to come into oh, your book. Oh, it does. Because yeah. in transportation, lodging, food. I mean, we're talking a lot of extra money for that. Yep. And he always demands his own trailer. And it's like, how are we going to get a trailer this big? His riders are insane. Yeah. And he's, he's very specific about the M&Ms that he wants and stuff. If there's any green M&Ms, forget it. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. New art style, new direction, new writer. We have we have an entirely new team, folks. We yes. have uh, Jeff was stumbling over the names of the people on here because he hasn't said any of them except for Tom DeFalco. That one was easy. I got that one. Yeah, everybody else is 
Joe Rosen, Tom DeFalco and Joe Rosen. Um, other than that... Brand new, all the way around. Brand new cast. And uh, I'll be getting to this shortly, but I'm going to be removing out my library card just so I can do a ongoing feature of looking at a different person in this new cast because we got a whole bunch of new people that we haven't talked to before. None of them are named Wheezy, none of them are named June, and none of them are named John. So we got to kind of go through and figure out who some of these people are. That all being said, what do we think about... I mean, we've got a new direction going on here. Yes. Yes, we do. And without going too much farther into this series, the only thing we know right now is there's a lot of Fantastic Four in here and a little bit of power pack. Yeah. And the power pack that they have is kind of like the person's kind of like trying to either give like a, oh, and families squabble. So here's squabbles. And uh, I don't know. The kids would be upset about like yeah, the the way that the kids talk is weird. The way that they're interacting is kind of weird. There's a lot of weird interactions going on, and like some like oh families fight, so they'd have kind of just some squabbles in there for like no reason. Like Jack wanting his blue costume back because mm-hmm. he's like I've always been in the blue costume. It's like yeah, except for when you were in the white costume for a long time. Yeah, and then in the yellow costume, and you've never had any problem with that and. Why are you saying, I want my blue costume back? And it's, it's simply just to, it's it's a poor man's version of a family tension. Yeah, I would agree on that. It's kind of how I see that. Like Alex lose, losing his hair, that's a mysterious thing. And I could kind of understand being nervous about everything. But I don't think the first thing you default to would be, uh, I better give myself a new hairdo. It's kind of like, you might want to be like, hey, we have group healing and stuff. Something's weird going on with me. Is anybody else losing bits? Yes, Alex is a teenager and he likes to have his own privacy and stuff like that. Preteen, not even a teenager yet. But they've been through enough stuff that it's like, and and they have alien powers. Yeah. He would be the first to say, guys, something weird is happening. Yeah. And he doesn't do it. No, and in fact, when they then get on to Friday, you would think it would be like, hey, first of all, I am 100% stoked that Franklin was like, something's going on in space and I know a spaceship. Friday! Boom. I'm like, that is awesome. Thank you. Because the power pack so often forgets about Friday. And I love the fact that Franklin's all like, hey, Friday can help me out. But you would think that, too, when they would get on there, you know, again, extrapolating on Alex going, something's weird happening to me. Oh, we're on a spaceship with all sorts of sensors. Friday. Can you sense what's going on or figure out what's happening to me? But, you know, again, it's extrapolation from a divergent path that was not taken. I will say this. I know that a lot of people always say, well, Power Pack is fantastic for adjacent. And I've always kind of scratched my head as to why they think that is. Because really Mm. coming from the first of the book onwards, I would think that it's mostly X-Men adjacent because there was a lot more interactions with X-Men or Cloak and Dagger adjacent. Now I'm starting to think of like, oh, it's because when the book ended, it was going into a heavy Fantastic Four circulation. And it starts off here. We've got the Elan and we've got Nova. Old school, Mm -hmm. old school Fantastic Four villains coming in. Or or Fantastic Four, not villains, but Fantastic Four characters coming in. And Galactus and kooky space adventures. And And a lot more of focus on Franklin Richards. And it's like, okay, now I'm seeing why people have said that. Okay, I can get it. So... Talking about these, I mean, we'll, we'll do the non one here, the Star Stalker. That was from an Avengers comic where it's an old, old Avengers comic where they have this destroyer of worlds. They needed their own Galactus type creature and they had the Star Stalker, which they stopped and got rid of. And it was so much a nothing character from way back when. It is so weird that they pulled this up. It's like, why did you need to pull up Star Stalker? Why 
why did you need that character? Are you are you kind of reaching back and, and wanting to just... They may have had the direction of, we have these characters, you know, go reach into the pile of characters that we need to keep our trademark on. Put them into circulation. We have every 20 years, we need them. Maybe? I don't know. It Maybe. might be I that. It might be the writer is like, you know what? I remember from my youth uh, reading that this was my first comic book and it had Starstalker in it. And I've always been so sad that Starstalker has never been used ever again. So I'm using this. This is my this is my childhood. I would go with that because of the next one, which is the Elan, which is a very obscure Fantastic mm-hmm. Four character. It was in this one issue. It was going around destroying New York. The Fantastic Four go, oh my gosh, this this alien is just so powerful and destructive. Oh, it's a little child. And then the parents come. Oh, we're sorry. We will take care of our child. It was a weird, goofy little Fantastic Four. Hmm. Michael Higgins, the, the writer of this, he probably was saying, I like this character. And wanted to pull it back in. I don't know. I really don't know. But we're going to see a lot of the Elan <laughs> Same with Nova. We got Nova here, which is like, okay, I, Nova's fine. Nova's a fine character, but it's like Nova is the poor man's Silver Surfer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Silver Surfer is a cool concept, a cool design, and it's a cool character because he is, he is alien. Mm-hmm. This is a valley girl who's got cosmic powers, which it's like, okay, all right. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> it was uh, uh, birthed from the era that it spawned from. Uh, this is uh, 1990. You're fresh in, you know, you're fresh off of the Valley Girl stuff. A lot of pop culture kind of, you know, 90s, we were pretty much, I think, done with the Valley Girl stuff, more or less. But not everybody is kind of in tune with that. And I was like, oh, here's a, a popular personality or something. I don't even know if she had a, a Valley Girl personality to begin with or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very strange that that this is the focus that this this book is going on. And I can I know that during this time a lot of fans really don't like this last group of issues that we're going to be covering. Yeah. And I can see it. There's a big tonal shift with how the book has been written, the focus of the book. We're introducing a new character in here with the Elan that is not very interesting. He's not that interesting. He's not that cool of a concept. He's not that cool looking either. He's he's a weird alien, but at the same time, it's kind of like a stereotypical alien, which it's like, okay, nice, but there's no character there. And mm-hmm. spoiler alert, there's no character that comes. That's too bad. And we have Alex losing his hair, which is the mystery. Yeah, that is the that's the quirky conundrum. What's happening? What's happening with Alex's hair? And what's going on? Yeah, why is this happening? And he's got this mysterious, mysterious power where the kids can heal each other, and they have used their healing powers to help heal Friday before. But Alex just comes nearby the Elan, and it causes the Elan to heal. Ooh, that's different too. It's not the group power set of we can do healing for ourselves and maybe for some others if we focus up and concentrate and really huddle up. This was very much just, yeah. Alex was there and just going, oh, it'd be nice if I could help this kid glow. So he's developing a new power. Uh, maybe maybe his hair is related to, you know, hair loss is related to new power set. Sure. He's got healing bubbles. How long has it been since you've read these books? Uh, what year is it now? 
2021. It has been a good 30 years, I'm going to guess. So you don't remember exactly where this book leads. I know. I Well, I've, uh, spoilers. I've read it before. I recall some stuff and then some things you can't uh, help but be part of the zeitgeist on when people are like, but there was this thing. And it's like, thank you for reminding me. I'll get to that in my leisure. So... Yes, I have a good idea why, but if we're being a fresh reader on this and it's just like, here is a mystery, I don't need to stretch into the future, we will get to that when it comes. Right now, it's a mystery. It is. The only thing I know is that it feels like, and I don't know this because I haven't been able to do enough real looking in, but it just feels like Mike Higgins did not know these characters or was not as in tune with these characters as... The past writers. I will mm-hmm. even give Terry Austin a lot of credit. We may not have liked Terry Austin's stories, but Terry Austin knew the characters. Yeah, Terry Austin knew the characters well. He had stories he wanted to tell that were just kind of you know, fun stories. And I'm more uh, pro Austin stories now after, t- you know, with Bog mm-hmm. talking about it, where he's Bog's like, Terry loved Power Pack. And it's like, that's really cool. So it's somebody that actually loved it, but also had little kind of quirky, fun stories they wanted to tell. I think I liked him better in the day as, as an adult. I'm not receiving him as well, but I can respect what he's done for. Sure. I, I'm kind of, I'm curious how Michael got power pack. Yeah. Because if it was like he, he sought for it or it was just like, Hey, we got, we got something open. You want to write this? Yeah, I'll take a crack at it. And then just kind of did whatever. Yeah, I don't, I not fully sure of the story behind there. I have, I know some stuff, but it's like, was he enthusiastic about it or was this just a work? Right. And like I said, I, I'm going to try to spend the next few issues going through and looking at who these people were that are on this new creative team for looking at Power Pack and and, and the creative team that they're that they're working on. And I want to use the, my time that I would usually spend talking about books to talk about the different members of the creative team, which makes sense. I was looking pretty hard at Michael Higgins and I didn't find that much which is weird because usually you can look and just do a Google search and find a lot of information on a lot of comic book writers but there's not. The biggest thing I was able to find on him is a very detailed story where it talked about him being the resident jack of all trades and also the resident deadhead at Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very strange. It's like he just be, he was like the number one Deadhead fan. He was saying that he has seen the the band in concert more than the band has seen themselves. <laughs> so yeah, he he did a lot of chasing after the Grateful Dead. He the first book he ever wrote was GI Joe and the Transformers. He did a lot of different work because he was was part of Marvel since the early seventies. So <laughs> he worked with a lot of different people. He worked a little bit of ROM. He worked a lot on Marvel Comics Presents, of course, Power Pack, Savage She-Hulk, Punisher War Journals. He served on editor of Silver Surfer, among other comics. He kind of was around doing a lot of different things. I, I know that recently on Time of the Defense, they were reading a story with that Mike Higgins was part of on that as well. And it's like, you just kind of hear his name popping up a lot of different places. But there just seems to not be a lot of really definitive information on him about who he is, what he had done, and 
you know, what his story is, which is <laughs> strange. So I'm going to keep on trying to hunt him down as I go through. And maybe some of our listeners will also send us some information as well, because I am having a hard time really tracking it down. Well, maybe we'll try and uh, get him on and talk to him, too. I don't know if he's still alive. <laughs> we'll have to find that I'm out. I'm going to have to find that out. <laughs> he, he's got about 579 different story credits. A lot of work as a letterer, editor, writer, writer, letterer, colorist. He's done a lot of different stuff. Inker. <laughs> okay. He was a jack of all trades. He was, yes, he was the person so. that they just, they needed somebody. They pulled him in. He was, he was just, he was there. He sounds like he was uh, capable at doing whatever needed to be done. Most of his work here is, is showing as letterer, which is very interesting as well. And I'm currently looking through Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is a great repository for a lot of information about comics. But it, it's it's very strange. It's very interesting about who he is and where he's at and what he has done, because it is hard to find out a lot about him, even though he has been a writer on Conan the Barbarian, which has been a lot of people's favorite stuff. He's yeah. done a lot of work. He's done some work on Fantastic Four. Like I said, he was writer on on G.I. Joe and Transformers, which, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's, those are some titles. Those are some not like, oh, he he, he wrote uh, two episodes of the three-episode run of, I don't know, uh, Spider Gun, the gun that was a spider, you know, kind of thing. The, the other piece that I recognize him from, too, is I was a big collector of Marvel Comics Presents. I, I collected a large chunk of rum before I stopped uh, picking up comics and he did a few different stories in there one that i just jumps out right at me is the excalibur story that was between issues number 31 and 38 i kind of remember those story that story and it i just remember reading it going well this isn't the excalibur i knew and mm -hmm. it seems like that seems to be one of his hallmarks of his work is he writes these stories but it's He's using the characters, but the characters are not speaking the voices of the characters that we know. Okay. So he has stories that he tell, but it just happens to be in other people's costumes. Yeah. Okay. So he might have his own little, it's the Michael Higgins Milieu, but it's just, <laughs> it it's happens to not be in his movies. It happens to be just in, yeah, everybody else's. It's like, oh, he pops in and kind of continues the stories that he's thinking of. Yeah. So that is Michael Higgins, the letterer, editor, writer, jack-of-all-trades, and deadhead of Marvel Comics. One thing it doesn't say about him, though, is it doesn't say that he is a scientist. Do we have one of those around here? I think you are. Ah, well, thank you, good sir. In this issue, a main topic is that Alex is losing his hair. So this got me thinking, what causes a child to lose their hair? Well, it turns out that many things do. The most common cause of hair loss in children is scalp ringworm, which is a treatable fungal infection. Another is alopecia areata, which is a type of hair loss that causes the body's immune system to attack hair follicles. It can occasionally cause total baldness or very thin hair. Some children also lose their eyebrows and eyelashes to this. Children who twirl their hair may damage the hair follicles, causing the hair to fall out. Some children pull their hair because of anxiety. Doctors call this trichotillomania. Traction alopecia is a type of hair loss that happens when the scalp experiences long-term tension or pulling, such as wearing very tight braids or ponytails for very long periods of time. An injury to the scalp, such as a burn or significant blow to the head, may damage the hair follicles. This can cause significant hair loss at the site of the injury. 
Telogen effluvium is a form of temporary hair loss that occurs after a physical or emotional shock. Some potential causes of telogen effluvium include physical injuries, emotional stress, fear or infection, surgery with general anesthesia, some medications such as the acne medicine Accutane, or vitamin and nutritional imbalances such as too much vitamin A. So, there you go, a list of possible reasons that Alex is losing his hair. But this is a comic book, so the real reason will probably be because a miniaturized Galactus has been eating it to satiate his unending hunger. And that is this week's Science Corner. Thank you so much for that interesting, interesting talk on hair loss. I am sure that we will be revisiting it in the next few issues. I bet we will. I may be lying. I may be we lying. We may but not. I'll, but I will tell you, I'll tell you what I never, ever, ever lie about. Power thoughts. Power thoughts. That's a good thing to not lie about. I like power thoughts. I do too. And we have a lot of power thoughts to talk about because, well... It's something we do. It's something our fans look forward to. And we are nothing if not caterers to our fans' desires. And we cater to our fans through the food that we store in our refrigerator, which is also where we put all of our pictures. You see what I did there? I kind of tied it all together. I was, I was off on a train track, and I was able to switch switch the, 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 the rails so that we came. It yeah, became, it became it, it a was, trolley problem. It is a trolley problem, except nobody wins. I win. Much like a trolley problem. It was just a wreck. And many feet were lost. Hey! All right, all right. Let's let's talk about some funny things. Let's talk about some <laughs> funny, funny, funny pictures. Do you have a funny picture in here? A funny backup picture? I do have funny backup pictures, and my funny backup picture is on page twenty-eight, and I call it muscular dwarf, muscular dwarf, muscular dwarf. <laughs> And muscular dwarf happens when you're on the top left panel and you're an artist drawing a child when you're not really used to them. So you make a uh, just a very muscular, stocky adult. And this is a picture of Jack looking like a muscular dwarf. Well, he's just absorbed a lot of energy and all that energy has gone into his muscles. And those okay. muscles are now all buffed out. That makes sense. We've experienced this before with Alex. When he absorbs too much energy, he sure. would... Get, he would get pretty beefy. In fact, sometimes he'd become grotesquely monstrous with the amount of energy. For, he Ale Alex's hair never changed to red, though. But still, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. I get what you're laying down there. I get what you're laying yep. down there. Speaking of Alex, I would like to just go back to page nine. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, looking at page nine, we got Alex on his bed. And the first thing I thought of was, that is the reason why you should never eat chips in bed. Because you're left <laughs> with all these chip crumbs. Because yeah. that's what his hair looks like. It looks like that's Ruffles potato chips on his bed. Yeah, that's, it's just, uh, did, I, did I not eat these? Well, it's breakfast time. It does look like, a, yep, Ruffles have Ruff, ridges. Ruffles have ridges, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact too. As a, just as an aside on that, with his hair, he's, they show the hair loss. They show him like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my hair. It's coming out in my comb. They never show him with a bald spot or his hair looking thin or anything. He could have just been with the standard hairdo and it would have been fine. The, the artist has not really sold us that Alex is really going bald. I mean, it maybe there's a little bit of recession of his hairline at this point, but we aren't seeing the actual bald spot. Yeah, not even that. It is just, he's got a full head of hair and some hair happens to be coming out. Yeah. It is just, it would be, that would be one of those things where I'd be like, well, that's weird. Uh, go about your day. Yeah, pretty much. All right. What do you have next for your best funny? My joke funny one is on page one and I call it, oh, look, it's Billy Quizboy from the Venture Brothers. 
This is the cover splash page, which has Galactus reaching from the heavens towards a sleeping Franklin Richards. And uh, Franklin is very much drawn. Just, he's got a giant head. I mean, his gigantic child head is the size of a torso. Not even just the top part, just it, the entire trunk, just from, you know, crotch to, to neck size of uh, head. It's, he's a Modoc, but with a body attached to the bottom. Yeah. It's, he's just got this giant quiz boy head. This is just a weird looking picture. I mean, it's just goofy and comic-y all around almost. Mm-hmm. Franklin looks strange. Galactus looks strange. The planets look strange. There's a lot going on. Yeah, this issue had a lot of back and forth on its art where it's yeah. just like, oh, that looks really cool. And then other stuff where it's like, wow, that is just a caricature. Everything is a little bit of a caricature in here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to page 12, though. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about another funny one that I found. Mm-hmm. And I call this one Sneak, Sneak, mm-hmm. because we have this one piece <laughs> it, with this one picture. And it's actually one of your type of pictures because it's monochrome. Yep. We just kind of have these red shadows of the kids. And they are sneaking towards the window. And it is very much, I mean, it would be even better if they were saying Sneak, Sneak yeah. as they're sneaking towards the window. Yeah, it, this is the visual interpretation of Sneak, Sneak. Yep, it's good. Yeah, on tiptoes and big steps and hands. Yeah, it, that that's great. That's funny. We are we are kind of begging a little bit on the art here, but some of it's got to be good, right? Oh no, some of the art is good. Honestly, uh, some of the art looks really great. Let's talk about some of the good art then. Why don't you give me yours? Uh, let's talk about some of that good art then, and let's go to page three where I have my backup favorite art, and I call it "Girl, You on Fire." <laughs> And this is the top right-hand panel of page three, and it shows Nova flying out of uh, the Galacta house. I don't remember what Galactus calls the spaceship home. It's it's the giant light bulb on this one. Yeah, the giant light bulb. It's the big dirigible. It's the big hot air balloon in space of uh, Galactus. And yeah, it's Nova flying out. I think she just looks pretty great. Uh, gold, you know, kind of metallic gold flame body and just her fire mane of hair, which goes, you know, just... It reaches from the, you know, the space light bulb to her. It's just, it's like, wow, okay, she's got rocket thrust hair. The only thing that I wasn't really too pleased with that one is her smile. We were talking before about the characters, and her smile is just an absolute character. Yeah, it's a caricature of a smile. I just thought it looked neat. I like the way Nova looks. No, I, is what I, it really boils down to. I get it. I like that picture. I like that picture a lot. Right up to the point, I see the smile, and it's like, eh, it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What's your uh, backup fave? Let's go to the last page. I kind of like this last panel on the last page, and it's, I call it the astronauts, because you got hmm. all four, well, I just realized here, you got three, are, are, you've got four of the five kids. I was like, you've got all four kids. Wait, Julie's missing. But you got Alex. Julie is missing. Yeah. Julie is missing from this entire last page. Yeah, she kind of is. She's she's been, she's, she's she's not on the previous page. She's n- oh okay. She I, is she, on the. She was three pages ago. But yeah. I know oh, why. Because she, she's a she, fri- she's a Friday. Because in Friday, she's in Friday. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, but we got Alex, Jack, Katie, and Franklin, and they've all got their you know clear space helmet things, and Alex saying Earth. It's very dramatic pose, but at the same time, it's some of the what I like the best drawing in here. It's they, they really put their time and effort. They got shadows in there. It's for the, everything else in this book that they're kind of characters. Here, they're almost drawn realistic. That makes I'd sense. Kind of argue that because 
if you start at Alex, you go, oh yeah, that's that's pretty realistic. But the further back you go, the more characterized. Yeah, they yeah, get. yeah. I will to, give you to, that to one to the point where Franklin is a uh, you know a, a blonde monkey head. Franklin's so. got some ears on him on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will. He got some I will jug agree with handles. That. Yeah. What else do you have? Well, let's go back to page three and two for my number one favorite one, because. On page two three is a panel that I call come on, it's Galactus. It's gotta be Galactus. <laughs> it's a picture of Galactus and it's stretching out from the you know, from page two into page three. And uh, it's it's Galactus. I love Galactus. You just you put him on something and it's kinda like Yeah, okay, that's the one. Yeah, he won. No, I like I, that. I got that. I I yep. I can appreciate he's got that. a little herald. You know, he's got his herald of Galactus flying up to him, and it shows that, you know, he's huge and there's this little little flame girl flying up to him to go, Hey boss, what's up? You want a snack? I'll go on a food run. I'll grubhub you. Yeah. No, no. I, I like it. And opposed to what's in the first picture, the first picture, Galactus looks a little goofy. This one yeah. looks better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that one. I, I will agree with you on that one. I hope you agree with me on mine. And tell me what it is. Mine is on page 25. And it's the bottom panel on here. And I call this one Power. Uh, and this yeah. is kind of in the, the the apex of the fight between Nova and Starstalker. Yep. And she is blasting him with energy, and he's got these pink ribbons around him like he's cosmically pulling in the energy. It's actually really good. I, I like it. It's it, You can see the tension in the fight, which we haven't really gotten from a lot of the book at this point. But you kind of see a lot more of the tension that's going on here. And it's I don't know, it really harkens back to probably what they're going for with some of the old school style Kirby drawings even probably yeah um, a lot of the fight has this kind of energy going on I blast you oh mm-hmm. yeah yeah I blast you oh yeah yeah I blast you it, it's basically the same panel repetitively where she shoots him he eats it she shoots him he eats it she shoots him he eats it she shoots him and goes, I think he's getting bigger. He eats it. She shoots him. He gets bigger. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, maybe stop shooting him. Yeah. I mean, at least with this last one, we see them together and you see more of the, you know, there's something going on. Yeah. There's some good art in here. You really got to look for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. There is that. There, there are things in it that it's like, oh, that's really cool. A lot of the Nova stuff I think looks really cool. I do feel a little bit bad, though. I feel like we really are making fun of the writer and artist a little bit. So we should probably back off from that and just make fun of each other for a while. That'd work. Yeah. We could do that. Let's make fun of each other with our rubber and glue moments. What's your uh, backup rubber moment there? Well, this one's on page 22. And this is where Alex has just given the Elan two hit points. And he's very happy about it. And... It's really kind of we we don't know exactly who's saying it because there's Jack and and uh, Julia are off to the side there and they're making comments. We don't know who's saying what, but we hear the, see the word guess. balloons. The first one's probably Julie. Well, it Alex is. looks like you found yourself a friend, and Jack, yeah, there's finally someone else around who looks like him. Yeah, well, because the panel underneath that has uh, Alex going very funny, Jack. Yeah, so you can tell who does that. And you know what? You know what else is funny about that? That's my backup. Yeah, that's my backup rubber rubber and glue moment as well. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's it's. I mean, you're telling your, hey brother, you look like an ugly alien. 
Yeah, you look like a weird rubber-suited alien man. <laughs> you look like a fake <laughs> alien man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look like a you look like a uh, a poor budget Knott's Berry Farm interpretation of a <laughs> of a moon creature. I say that with love because one of my most fondest memories of Knott's Berry Farm is in a prospector thing where it's just like they got a, a scratchy tape going, and the 1776, you know, da, 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 da. And it's a mannequin with a beard literally nailed to its face. Ah, uh, Knott's Berry Farm, never change. <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> Moving on to my best insult. This is mm-hmm. when the kids have successfully snuck out of their house. They, they pass their sneak rolls. And mm-hmm. they're on their way out, and Julie was saying, do you think you could start stop arguing long enough for us to get out of here? And Alex responds, yes, ma'am, sir. She responds, smarty pants. And Katie comes back with saying, hee hee, you mean smart Alex. I, I like this exchange because it's the smarty pants, it's the smart Alex. They're making, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just kind of making fun of that entire thing. I, I like the insulting back and forth with the kids. I have to 100% agree with you to the point where I also made that my uh, number one uh, rubber and glue <laughs> moment between Alex, Julie, and Katie. Uh, I also love the fact is that this is a, a, a prognostication. This is a maybe this is where they got an idea for a one of our Patreon episodes where Jack <laughs> and Franklin uh, take off and Franklin is, decides to name himself Smarty Pants because in this panel... Julie is saying smarty pants, and that smarty pants is hovering right over Franklin. I think they just didn't like the name Tattletail. That's I think my... there might be that. There might be that. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. Let's go ahead and move on to stars in detention. We need to give the awards to the best and worst children in this issue. So mm-hmm. who is getting the award? And dear me, if we don't have the same one, I will be surprised. All right, well, let's do the detention child and it's three, Alex. two, one, Alex. Yeah, it's Alex. It's, Alex. it's he's it's sad. Else. He's sad sacking. He's freaking out yeah. about his hair. He needs Franklin to prompt him. He makes a mistake at the end. He makes a mm-hmm. huge mistake at the end. Yeah, that is. I do not understand this mistake of like, aha! Uh-huh, I think that energy makes him sleepy, which is obviously why he's destroyed like a trail of planets and eaten our new friend Nova's powers. We should give him more. Or, hey, wait a minute. How about instead of giving him what he wants, we're just like, hey, Jeff, how would you like some beer and a sack of donuts? Why, well, I would like that. Well, haha, sucker, joke's on you. You have to watch Netflix as well. Okay, well, okay, this is what I want. The difference with this is if we give you this, you are not destroying anything except yourself. Yeah. When you get, I mean, this thing has been destroying everything in the name of wanting to eat and power. If we yeah. give him more of that, he will do more of it. More. And they've shown categorically, when he receives more power, he gets bigger and is more dangerous. Yeah, what they really needed to do on this one was very much along this lines. It's like, this creature has been destroying planets to absorb their energy. If only we had somebody here who could eat energy. Hey, Jack. Do you want me to shoot him with power, Alex? No, do the reverse. Take it away from him. Make them hungry. Make them small. Get rid of that stuff. Well, that all is good. But who is the good one? Who's the best one here? Now, this is an issue that has Franklin in it. It does. And by default, almost every time, if if it's a Franklin isn't an issue, Franklin's the best boy. Mm. However, I'm going to say Julie. I chose Julie as well. Mm-hmm. And why is that? She saves Nova. She finds yes. the Elan. And yes. she seems to be making the right decisions. I mean, her and 
Alex are kind of co-leaders sometimes, and she's Very making true. the right decisions this time. I, yeah. I know that early on, I think that Franklin was a big contender in this early on, but then I he agree. just kind of withers off and joins the Alex pity party table for two. Yeah, so. he disappeared fast. Originally, I was like, well, obviously, it's going to be Franklin, and I, you know, I started, okay, best kid, Franklin. Well, wait a minute, let's read through, and then it's just like, yeah, it's for Julie. Yeah. Yeah, it became Julie. There's also the aspect that earlier, Alex is like, oh, I'm losing my hair. Better give myself a brand new hairstyle because that's how that works. Uh, everybody's like, we don't have time for new hairstyles, Alex. And Julie was the one who said, I don't know. I think it looks pretty good. So she even was complimentary towards uh, his hair. She's sporting a new hairstyle herself, too. Yep, there's that. So's, uh, so's Katie, kind of, really. Basically, so's Jack, kind of. Not as not as extreme, but yes. Uh, Julie has kind of said, huh, I kind of want to dive into this Aquanet style of the yeah. late 80s, early 90s yeah. and and see what this craze is all about. And, yeah. you know, she went from eco-friendly to destroying a couple cans of Aquanet. But, yeah. you know, big hair big is hair. good hair. Big hair. Big hair. Big poof, poof, poof. <laughs> so, Jeff, we've got another thing that we got to talk about here. And that, of course, is where we're going to put this issue cuz there's a lot hmm. of issues that we've t- we've done. I mean, we've been at this for 74 episodes now and we've talked about a lot of different stories. We have. My goodness, look at scrolling through. Look at them all. Well, technically 64. 64 but comics. But 74 74 episodes. So we've, we've episodes, done a lot of stuff. Yeah. So top of the list is Revenge of the Boogeyman from, you know, Power Pack 42. That's not going to go mm-hmm. anywhere soon. Nope. Dropping down to 15, we've got Friday's Children, which is Power Pack 50. That's where the pack is taken to Chameleon. They meet Force 4. And then we go on down to number 30, spot 30, and we've got Power Pack number 14. That's School Days. The Boogeyman kidnaps Katie. That was bad times. Bad times. Number 45, we're starting to get down the list here, and we've got one of Jeff's favorite books, and that is Special Effects. That's where Power Pack <laughs> lie. <laughs> to Sunspot and Warlock to soothe Sunspot's bruised ego. It's, Jeff loves this book. Loves it. I'm I'm so surprised it's that low. Uh, uh, well, I you keep fighting me on it every time. Every, every, time, as, every time. As our listeners know, every episode that we're at, we're kind of like, and in this issue, we're turning uh, special effects up another 15 slots. It's now at 30. Trying. Keep I'm trying up. my best. I'm trying my best. I know. We just keep pushing it up. But down at the bottom, we've got the Axe of Vengeance issue from Power Pack number 56 uh, with Typhoid Mary. That's at the bottom. I think uh, it doesn't need to worry about Spot going away this time. I think that it's still at the bottom. I think that we can go up a little bit on this one, but not too far. We've been doing a lot of talking about our good buddy, Terry Austin. Mm -hmm. And so bottom of Terry Austin's is 58. That's the great Guggen treasure hunt. Let's start there. Do Do we think that this is better or worse than that one? Looking at the stuff around that, where I'm kind of like, what about... What about the Numinous? What about Thor and Beta Ray Bill? By default, I'm thinking that this is better than the Numinous. Really? Kind of. Numinous does have Whoopi Goldberg in it. Let's yeah, not forget that, that. Yeah, I know, but... Here we go. Actually, here's my reason why I think Numinous is better than this one. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg is a new cosmic entity that they created for that story. And mm-hmm. not a bad cosmic entity. I mean... It has its purpose, what have you. They didn't go dredging into the recesses of the Marvel Comics basement to find a couple of old characters who are really boring and not that interesting. (laughs) If I put the Elan, the Starstalker up against the Numinous, I will take the Numinous every day of the week. All right. I can be talked into that. 
well, then that puts us right back down to uh, Great Guggenheim Treasure Hunt. This better or worse? Two-thirds of the Three Stooges trying yep. to... Uh, it has Power Pack doing more and more effective stuff in the Terry Austin book. Yeah, and we got uh, Jack and Katie dressed up. They self-kidnapped and they dressed up as Goose and Gams. Yeah. Uh, okay, then how about uh, just below that? This Cursed Earth, where Thor and Beta Ray Bill use Katie as a weapon to defeat Curse. And I kind of, I still like that one a bit more too. That one's Again, <laughs> keep in mind this is a power pack. Power pack. Yeah, power but power pack. pack is not in much of this book. <laughs> yeah, there's kind of that. They're 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 in a good third of it, which is more than what the Thor thing was. They they're not the they're not the main stars of this book. It it really is Nova's book that's the kind of the main star in this book until she gets knocked out. Yeah. All right. You want to drop it below uh below Thor? Yeah. I I I mean I I. I'm kind of going back and forth on on Marvel fanfare. I, I think that this, I think I like the artwork a little bit better than this one, than Marvel fanfare. The story is more cohesive in this one in Marvel, than Marvel fanfare. There's the aspect in that one as well that you know it's the Jack getting bullied and Jack, you know, it, it not. I'm not trying to guilt shame or bully shame mm-hmm. anybody. Where it's just like where it's like, but Jack wasn't Jack. Where he's like, I'm getting bullied and I'm in tears and I have to hide and everything. It's like this isn't Jack. Yeah. And this, while this one does have instances of characters not quite behaving the way that they normally would it was still close enough in that realm that uh it'd be like yeah okay it's just it's it's the pack and they're doing the family things it's just a little clunky that one was very much just kind of like this isn't what jack is like this isn't what these characters are like so yeah i i'm i'm great with this being uh above or replacing spot 60 for the battle of ps87 yeah i mean it's it's a it's a tough call on that one i think that this one wins out i don't know i don't know i i think i might go back and try battle ps87 again before this one but i don't know it's i don't know if they're still down there that's what we'll call it i think we need to move on to our beer let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about galactic imperial red ale jeff how are you feeling about this beer uh, it's okay. I've been drinking it. I think I am feeling the 9.4. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 9.5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 9.5, even better. Oh, no. Yeah. We're lightweights. It's an 8.5. It's interesting. On, on uh, the website, I got 9.5. All right. Well, the bottle says 8.5. Let's split the difference and call it an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> it is a boozy beer. Um, you know, Here's the interesting thing. Usually with a lot of these... IPAs, as they get warmer, the taste changes. I will say that the taste has not changed on this one. No, the flavor on this has is locked down. It is not really going anywhere. Hmm. Here is a thing that I've noticed, though. That first sip was very caramely, and then that caramel kind of disappeared on every subsequent sip. If you have just, like, a drop of the beer, it is very caramely, which is really weird, where it's just like, you know, I poured some and then got that, oh, I don't want this to drip off the bottle and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. just tongue that off. And it's like, oh, that's super caramely again, which is a really weird thing about it. But otherwise, it is, uh, it's an Imperial IPA kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that caramel flavor is very mild in there now. But the flavor, yeah, the flavor profile has not really changed from temperature changes. I, I'm impressed with this beer. I mean, like, a, not a big hop fan. Fine, fine, yeah. fine. But the thing is that there's a consistency to the beer that is very pleasant. You know what mm-hmm. you're going to get with the sips on it. And it's not, it's bitter. It is bitter. It's got over 100 IBUs in there. It's still not crazy bitter. It, it At no point, ha- we've had plenty of sure. beers on here with less IBU or similar that I've taken a sip and then had to just, <clears throat> you know, just wait for the face to kind of get past. And this is just like, sip, yeah, you're bitter. 
and and sip some more. It's like here, okay, I can I had a sip and I can talk immediately about things as yeah. opposed to a lot of times where I'm like I need a minute. It's uh, it's fairly pleasant. It is not what I default go to. Yeah. At the same time, I'm going to give it the 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 points that I think it deserves. Mm-hmm. I think that this is above average for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a good 3.5. Congratulations. We've met again. Nice. Handshake in the middle at 3.5. I think that this is good. I think that people who like a lot of hops are going to really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like I was told by my friends a long time ago, you got something that's got a lot of uh, like double IPA or some strong hops. They will crank up the malt. They did that in here, and they've kept it really nice and consistent. So good job on that. Yep. So while bitter, it is still mellow. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to kids' perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 10-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. How are you today? I'm good. And you? Well, I'm back to talk to you about another comic book, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess I need to apologize because we didn't really use your voice. We didn't use mommy's voice. We did. There wasn't any sound effects during this issue. So this is the only chance that the listeners get to hear your voice. Yeah. Uh, hi, listeners. <laughs> Again. What do you think of this comic book, this Power Pack comic book? Um, it was okay. <laughs> Just okay? I mean, I kind of felt a little meh about it. Really? Why Why? Why is that? I don't know. It's just... I guess I didn't really like the story that much. Okay, that's alright. That's alright. Why... Was there any part of the story that you didn't like? Well, the monster was kind of... He was, like, asleep, so it was easy to defeat him. So that <laughs> was a teensy bit boring, but... Okay. Well, and before that, the monster was fighting Nova, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think of Nova? I don't have any opinions on her. She just didn't interest you at all? I mean, she was here. She was there. Okay. What about that alien that they found? Did you find that alien, the Elan? Did you find that thing interesting? The guy with the pipes on his head? Uh, he was awesome. Well, he was mostly just there. Yeah, he, he really didn't say or do anything, right? Yeah. What about Alex losing his hair? Was that interesting at all? <laughs> I think it just shows that he's changing, and his body's changing enough so that he can heal uh, random millions. So something weird is going on with Alex, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like the story just really didn't interest you that much, huh? Yeah. Okay. So it was a little boring, right? Just a teensy bit. Okay. What did you think of the cover? I mean, it's kind of what happened in the story, except they weren't, like, right there. They were kind of hidden behind a rock or something. Yeah, yeah, most of the action occurred while Power Pack was dealing with the Elon, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess we should mention that there is a whole new creative team on the book right now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The hair just looked different. Yeah, the, the art's different, the coloring's different. The, the So the colorist was Brad... Von Santa, Von Sada. And who was the writer? The writer was Michael Higgins. We have not seen him at all before, have we? Uh, no. <laughs> what do you think about his writing so far? I mean, I guess it does go well with the drawings. Did you like the art in it? It was different. <laughs> Good or bad? Um. Do you like it more or less than what you've seen before? I think I liked what I've seen before teens a bit better. Okay. 
Well, I mean, these are your opinions, and that is perfectly fine. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, not really. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Welcome. Naha. Yes. Good points all around, Carrie. Thank you so very much. Shout out time! We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in and leave us a review. And this is for episode 71, where we talked about Power Pack issue number 54, Dino Might, where we are joined by Corey from New Warriors Talk. Aaron Rausch. Chad Michael Simon. Charles Gears. Charlie Rose. My wife, Cindy Heineken. Not my wife, Ed Verrochi. Again, not my wife, Fractal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kill that bit. Gene Hendricks. Gibson Gray. Green Lantern HG. Hoover Jeremiah in the 4 Million Years Later podcast. Jeff Polier. Matthew Birdsey. Max Travers. My CB Collection. New Warriors Talk, who, as we had said, was our guest. Nicholas Prom and Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. Waffles. From Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And he says, first off, Dino Saucers was an epic show. Or so my nostalgia tells me to say so. Second, you must give your daughter a bunch of cash and let her run wild in a mall when it's safe to do so. And third, episode was very good. Thank you, Waffles. The worst comic podcast ever with Colin Stapleton. Zach Raberoff. And I would like to say a thank you to our friend Fractal, who... I saw about a weekend ago, and he wanted me to stop by his place and practicing social distancing. He gave a present to Jeff and I, and he asked us to open it on the show. So here's a little Christmas present from our friend Fractal. Are you ready to open yours? I've got it in hand, and let's see what we got. Ooh, hold that. Okay, this is this is kind of cool. Like packing tape. Oh, oh. Oh! Ooh, oh my! Ooh, that's sweet. Okay. What? Okay. So, oh my God, this is. I have to start off by saying a fractal got himself a 3D printer, and while he was over picking this up, he was showing me a 3D printer and saying all the cool stuff he's been able to do with it. What he has given us is a beverage coaster, and it's got it, it's a chunky thing. It's it's got a good what inch on that. That, no, that that is a that's a that's a half inch. Okay, half inch there. But then it's got a kind of a recess inside where you can set your cup. So it's you know yep. it's a good you know if if condensation fills up inside it, you can dump out the condensation. Oh, that is cool. It's black and it's got the sparkly galactic kind of look on it, and it's circular. And inside the circle, you have the power pack symbols in holographic foil. So you've got the gravity, the cloud. In, in in holographic foil, you've got all four symbols there. I will take a picture of this and put it up. This is amazing. It is that is beautiful. beautiful. I don't think I think that this is a, a resin cast. I don't think that this is three uh, D printed. I could be wrong, but I think this is a resin cast just from the. Here's, uh, here, here's the thing: is that his his three D. I'm thinking he did this himself because his three D printing. Yeah. Uh, he can make casts and then he can pour it himself. I think he did this himself. I don't know, but I'm okay. I'm because I'm just seeing. I'm noticing a little bit of uh, bubble issues. Mm-hmm. A little bit of uh, like 
kind of edging like resin over off of a yeah. casting. And then then he, he sanded the bottom too. But no, this yeah. is and there's bubbles all along the bottom. This is sweet. Gosh, this is gorgeous. This is wonderful. That is so pretty. That holographic foil stickers that are in there too. He's also got a vinyl cutter, so I know he used that in here. And then he uh like finish coated this. This is this is so pretty. This oh is- man. We got a good friend. We got a very Thank good friend. Thank you, Fractal, so much. This is beautiful. This is gorgeous. This is this is the way I like my glitter. Uh, just lock down. <laughs> lock that stuff down. I don't want that getting free. That is so nice. I gotta send him a message as soon as we're done recording here. But this is this is wonderful. This is this is great. This is fantastic. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fractal. That is. That's going to have a place of honor somewhere right there where I'll put bevies on it. I don't want to put anything on it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to hold it and stare at it and make the make the rainbows on the holographic foil go. That is pretty. While we stare at this, I would like to say, be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, and of course, my award-winning show, in my own mind, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise that is not this awesome coaster, but really should be. Uh, av- <laughs> available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Merck Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of two very awesome holographic gifts from our friend Fractal in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Presents.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review our show wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Twin Explorers. All music is by Kevin Cloud at Acomptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. We can link that, sync that up a little better if we want. I always do, man. Don't, don't, okay. don't you tell me what I should and shouldn't do. All righty. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to have a little time jump because I got to get the giggles out. <laughs> time jump. Mm-hmm. Um, why are you giving me that look? Um, because I lost my place. Let's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank goodness it is his there. Thank goodness that it is. Yeah. Thank goodness that it is his there. That is a hard sense to say. It is. <laughs> his hair, good. Mm-hmm. The PSAs tell you. The more you know. I need air to breathe, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. After I have properly consumed the abundant energy I have absorbed. So that was a Rocky and Bullwinkle or a Bob and Doug McKenzie. Hey, Nova, watch me pull a planet out of my hat. <laughs> Did you like it? I like it. <laughs> it is a, it is a take. 
I was I was heading towards a New Jersey accent and I missed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard, it's a if you get on the wrong turnpike, man. I, I, I was like, I, 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 see, I see I see the Star Starker as being from New Jersey, and so I tried and I said, nope, I missed, but I like it. So I here like we are. It. Hey, I'm eating you. <laughs> Hey, these are beautiful insects. Are beneath my nudist. <laughs> it's like it's like Buddy Hackett went to New Jersey and got hit on the head. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. Oh, what? Uh, I'm, I got, I'm like I have two Jack voices. Which one is it? I'm defaulting to the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Nothing's gonna stop them now. Having a good time. A space monster's missing there. Up in space, and Alex is losing what hair he has left. Can't stop them now, because they're having a good time. Nothing's going to stop them now. 